Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Thank you for being here tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about financial freedom. And throughout the lesson, I'll be kind of sharing where this came from. Uh, this wasn't just made up, but I was actually going through, uh, well, I'll just say I was broke. I was broke and uh, things weren't going well. And uh, the Lord started to deal with me about some things that I wasn't doing right. So this lesson tonight is going to be about that. Um, God gave this to me in 2003. That's when I was going through my brokenness. And uh, he didn't give it to me to preach it to anybody because I didn't teach this lesson for seven years. He gave this lesson to me so I could become financially free. Now you're probably thinking, Brother Chase must be a millionaire. That's not what financial freedom is. It's not about being a millionaire. So we're going we're gonna to get into this, and I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat. What does financial freedom mean to you? No bills. No credit cards. Peace. What else? Debt-free. How about not having fear, anxiety, troubles because of finances that is what we want to talk about tonight many people have this misconstrued concept of having enough is being financially free and being comfortable is financially free enough to be content we think that that is financial freedom if you find contentment that's not necessarily financial freedom and then the question goes on and it says, how much is enough and what is it is what is it to be comfortable and what does it take to have contentment? Just things to think about. So I'll be weaving my testimony in and out as we go through this, but how about making sure that we spend less than we make? It's a very hard concept to understand. It's very challenging when, when you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, I just need another Starbucks. Lands, I hit close to home on that one. Or Jamba Juice or Dutch Brothers. We did have the usher check, make sure there's no rotten tomatoes out here, so I'm safe. But that is the key to really becoming financially free is having self-control where you don't spend more than you make. And, and there's going to be, there's three people I'm going to be talking to tonight. One the ones that have this down already and you're financially free. This lesson is just going to reimburse what you already know. Two, there's some in here maybe doing what you're doing because you're just obeying what pastor said. But you don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing. Tonight, you're going to have an understanding of why we do what we do. And living for God and paying tithes and offering and being faithful in the house of God. And then there's going to be the third group that are broke. And you don't understand why you're broke month to month to month. And you're wondering, how do I get out of this cycle? I must need to have more money. 
That's not how you get out of that cycle. That's not how you get there. So we're going to talk about how you get there. There will be a time for Q&A at the end. If there's any questions, I hope I can explain it well enough. This is a two-part lesson. Uh, there is a lot of Bible, a lot of Bible to explain why we do what we do. We're not doing this because of anything. I'm just saying it's what comes out of the Word of God. And I will preface this that I had no idea who this Dave Ramsey guy was when this came to me because this came from God. I had somebody, after I taught this, they came up to me after I taught it the very first time, seven years after God gave it to me. He's like, man, that's just like Dave Ramsey teaches. Are you part of his whatever it's called? And I'm like, who's that? Who is he? And I had to go home and look it up and ask questions on who this guy was. The Bible's never wrong, and it will never change. So that's the good thing about what we're going to learn tonight. So the scripture that's kind of key to helping us become financially free is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It doesn't say the things you purchase abideth forever. And I can, re I, can, I can really just testify to you today that whatever you have materialistically will not go to heaven with you. I know people that have gone to heaven. They've lived for God their whole life. And when the Lord took them home, their stuff was still there. And some of you may have had to go through the boxes and the storage units and clean out rooms and stuff because the stuff is left behind. So it's not the things of this world that is going to give you peace and comfort but it's obeying the word of God and having a love for him. So the first thing that we need to conquer as people to become financially free is to overcome the draw of consumerism. Does everybody understand what consumerism is? It is where I'm going to do anything I can to get you to buy what I'm trying to sell. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm going to try and get you to buy what I have to sell. It doesn't matter what kind of widget it is or how many widgets you have. I remember when that little fidget spinner thing came out. My daughter's cleaning out one of her drawers in, in, her, in her bedroom, and she had like six of them in there. Why? Because there's sometimes within our nature just to buy to be buying. To supersize it when we really don't need to. That's in our nature. We, we just want to buy, and that desire to buy is when we don't really need to. Consumerism is counterproductive to financial freedom. So we've got to overcome consumerism. We've got to get self-control. Since 1982, this is, a lot of those numbers are still actual today. These are factual uh, numbers. Americans, Americans' savings accounts have dropped by uh, from 11% to below zero. There's just nothing there. There, there, there's more bills at the end of the month than what's in the bank account. How many have been there? Been there. U.S. Department of Commerce has said that the personal bankruptcy filings have just reached a record amount. So I'm going to just, there, there are a lot of rabbit holes. That's what I'm going to chase. So this student pay off the government soon? Horrible. Horrible for the American people. 
it's horrible for the young people that are going to get this paid off. And I'll explain why. If you don't take responsibility for your actions, you will never correct your bad actions. So if these young people get this paid off, the next thing that's going to happen in this world is they're going to go out and buy a $14 million home on a $30,000 income. And then they're going to go crying to their government saying, I, I was dumb and didn't think about it. I want you to pay off my home loan. And they will never learn. And that is why it's important that we take responsibility and there's Bible to support what I just said. So it's very important that we get into this and understand what the Word of God says. So there's four things that I'd like to mention uh, that is some of the leading causes of consumerism. So mass advertising. Corporations, as I mentioned, spend millions upon millions of dollars a year to come up with some gimmick, some catchy phrase, icons, billboards, whatever, to get you to want to buy their product over somebody else's. I work for Philip 66. Can anybody besides Brother Ramirez tell me what gas station that is? Thank you. Somebody knows. My company's name is Philip 66. We advertise on the West Coast as 76 gas station. If you go to the Midwest, we advertise as Conoco and Philip 66. If you go over to Europe and Germany, you're going to advertise as Jet because we're advertising to the customer base we're trying to reach. And that's what corporations do. They're trying to reach a consumer base that'll spend money on their products over uh, somebody else's. Now, I'll just say this. Chevron's got good gas, too. So, so the ease of shopping has really just been detrimental to a lot of people's pocketbooks. Back in the 70s, shopping was only done in a store. These little, well, now the smart devices we carry in our pockets and our purses didn't even exist. The big white box, which was my first computer back in the late 90s, didn't exist. And people actually had to get out of their houses and go to the store and pay with whatever physical monetary system they had. Some people bartered back then, but it was cash on the barrel head. That's what they dealt with. So you could only buy what you had money for. So it's important that we understand that that has changed. And in, the, in, seven, in 1976, that's when the mail order catalogs came out. I love that. And I could circle what I wanted for Christmas, JCPenney, Sears, circle all that. Didn't get all that stuff. Uh, but then now we have to where we have credit cards. How many have credit cards? We have debit cards. We have Apple Pay, we have PayPal, there's Ven, Ven, V, something that starts with a V. I've had, had people come up to me and say, do you take this, this, or this? And I was like, I don't know what any of that is. I take cash. <laughs> I take cash. But they have made it very easy to spend. Very easy to be a consumer. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I, oh, what's, what's this new latest GMC out? What's the new latest this? What's the new latest that? And we look it up because it's right there in our pocket of our purse. And anytime that little nugget of something, oh, it just drove by. What's that cost? Oh, that's a nice outfit. What does that cost? And it's right there at our fingertips. And it's very easy if you have one of those electronic paying devices just to click buy. And it's very easy just to run that credit card through the machine every day and think it's free. And then you get the bill at the end of the month, and you're like, where did this come from? I haven't even worn that outfit yet. It's made it very easy to just throw money away. The lack of personal responsibility to debt is one of the key factors of why we are in a situation we are now where states and businesses and people are going bankrupt. 
Because if I don't pay for it, somebody will pay the cost. We've got to understand that even though it looks like it's free to you, free to you, Sister Lopez, free to you, it's not free to them. Because they'll be paying for it for decades. They'll be in their 90s if the Lord tarries and say, my mom and dad wouldn't have bought that. Because our kids are going to be paying for the debt that we incur that we don't pay off. So we need to understand that this is not just free spending. Lack of self-control, not only is it an issue with obtaining financial freedom, but lack of self-control is, is struggling being saved, struggling and making ends meet, struggling having personal relationships succeed is lack of self-control. It's lack of self-control can impact us in many, many different ways. The consumer world is instructing us to overspend. They want you to run up your credit score. The way you run up your credit score is have debt and then pay off the minimum. That's how they tell you. Max that credit card out as long as you can maintain that $26.99 a month. And you'll stay in debt. And they'll give you this big high, high number saying you got a great credit score. They want you to depend on that. They want you to live in debt. They want you to, to, to dig that hole and so you can't find a way out. But we're going to dig into the Word of God tonight. We're going to see what the Word of God says about money and how to handle it. So we need to, first off, we need to learn how to be content. 1 Timothy 6 6 through 9 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And have and having food and remnant, let us be therewith content. Contentment. It's okay that I don't have the latest name brand suit. It's okay that I don't have that $100,000 truck parked in my garage. It's okay that I don't have the latest and the greatest. It's okay. We've got to get in our mindset. We've got to get in our heart. It's okay that we aren't the trendsetters. Because the trendsetters are always the ones that find themselves behind. Always. Because they're trying to keep up with everybody else and try to stay ahead of everybody else. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ with strength with me. When we feel like we have it all together, when we feel that our bank account is big, we don't really need Jesus. I'm just being real. We think we got it down. We can pay our bills. We have free of freedom of life, we think. And we don't pray like we should. Maybe we don't attend service, church service like we should. Maybe we don't think we need to have interaction and, and donating to the missions because we have our own thing to do. I remember a, a testimony that is a real-life story uh, of a, a minister. My, my first pastor was telling me that uh, he had a gentleman came into his church homeless. His heart went out to him, so he let him sleep in the back office of the church. He says, just help take care of the property. Don't worry about anything. We'll give you some meat and money. We'll take care of you, and we'll help you get back on your feet. Well, this person was a wizard with construction. He was just a genius. He went out and started his own construction business. Started making money. A year and a half, two years later, he's a multimillionaire. Stopped coming to church. Stopped paying tithes and offering. He just happened to randomly show up at a service one day, and, and my pastor at the time went and told him, I was like, man, it's so good to see you. You know, I started praying a new prayer for you. He's like, oh, yeah, what's that? He says, I pray that God will make you broke again. 
And that guy freaked out. He's like, why would you do something like that? I finally made it in the world. He's like, because you're lost. You're lost and I want to see you saved. So we've got to get priorities down. You, you can be quote unquote broke and financially free. When you can not, when you get to a point where your finances don't control you. Hebrews 13, five through six, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Luke 3, 14, John the Baptist tells even, the, uh, even people to be content with their wages. Who put that in there? And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do no violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. He did not say, Unionize. And I'm not against unions. But I'm just saying that's not what the John the Baptist was trying to say there. He says, Learn to be content. You learn to be content, God's going to take care of you. And that's where we have to be. If we try to do it on our own, we're just going to stumble and fall. So learning contentment is key to all types of freedoms, including financial freedom. When we lose our contentment, we find ourselves coveting. What's the Bible say about that? A lot of things. And Deuteronomy 5, 21 says, Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass or donkey however you want to interpret it and anything that is thy neighbor's whether it's his gmc his chevy his mercedes-benz five bedroom four bath house in a gated community a dog that is potty trained kids that obey right we're gonna get a little real tonight we can't covet that there is a way to get that, but that's a whole different lesson than financial freedom. But it's the same principle. Learn to be content with what you have and obey God. Matthew 6, 24. Again, I remind you, this there's tons of scriptures, and I didn't even include them all in this lesson because we would be here for weeks. But Matthew 6, 24 through 25 says, No man can serve two masters, neither he for he, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor for any of your body, what ye shall put on. It is not is not the life more than the meat, and the body than the remnant. Verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, for what, what whether so shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Who is the Gentiles? So it isn't uncommon for us to have those thoughts. Because the Bible says, and this is red letter, Jesus is saying, this is what the Gentiles think about. So we have these thoughts. I sometimes wonder, what am I going to wear? We have those thoughts. But Jesus says, don't worry about that. He goes on to say, for your heavenly Father knoweth what uh, knoweth that you need, have need of all these things. Here's Matthew 6, which is on our banner. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to stop and share a little bit of my testimony. So in 2003, I, in 2000, God called me to help start the work in Dakota. So I moved, 
moved there as a daughter worked out of the Napa Church at the time. So I, I moved, uh, not physically yet, but I was in Vacaville nonstop, doing whatever I needed to do to help help the work there. 2003, I really felt that it was time to have boots on the ground. I needed to move there, so I bought a house in 2003. And at the time, I was really living what I would consider financially free because all I had was a car payment. Really, my two-bedroom condo cost me 400 bucks a month. My car payment was 500 bucks a month. I was living free. I, I mean, I would walk around with cash and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm running short. And I'd pull out my roll of cash and I'd, how much you want, brother? I, was, I, I had money and I bought this house. And when I bought the house, I thought I had picked a good loan and they fooled me. And I went from having a $400 a month rent bill to a $2,100 a month And I've, I've been in church. I paid my tithe faithfully. I gave offering faithfully. But this is the scripture God put on my heart to show me I was doing it wrong. Because what I was doing is, Brother Lucas, my bills were due by the fifth of the month. So my first paycheck, it took all of that paycheck and half of my second paycheck to pay my bills. And then on my second paycheck, was just enough to pay all my tithes and offering. So I paid my 10% and I paid 5% in offering. So I was meeting, quote unquote, the criteria of what some people think or the requirement of giving. Make sense? Not to God. He said, seek me first. And I remember sitting at my desk in my house and it was a cheap Ikea desk. It wasn't fancy. I had no money. And I, I had had to give my car away. I lost my car. It was brand new 2000 Pontiac Grand Prix supercharged GTP white track. It would fly. It was like my dream car. And I had to give it away. I had to get rid of it because I couldn't pay for it. And I thought, okay, if I do that, I can maintain the house. Well, the following month, I couldn't make my house payments. I remember sitting at my desk broke knowing that within a couple months, depending on how long it takes to kick somebody out of their house in California, that I'll be homeless or have to cry on someone's shoulder to let me sleep on the couch because I had no money. And I had a job. And as I wept and I prayed and I just asked God, what did I do wrong? I'm not supposed to be tested like this. I'm your child. God put this on my heart. Man, I need a scripture. It's one of the one one of the first ones you memorize in, in Sunday school. But this time it's like, seek ye first. Kind of just jumped out at me. I've been missing it. I've been just doing the ten percent and the offering, but I missed it because I was putting other things before God without even realizing. And I remember sitting at the desk and as God showed that to me. He just I just pushed the bills away. He said, God, if I have to sleep in my car, that I bought a cheap little car just to get back and forth to work. If I have to sleep in my car, that's what I'll do. If I'm homeless, I'm homeless. I grabbed the tithing envelope, filled out my tithing check, put it in the envelope, gave it in the offering, knowing that I was going to be late on all my bills. And I thought, man, this is going to, I obeyed and it's going to be perfect. So I bought that house 
for $310,000 in 2003. Four months later, I was completely broke. 2010, I paid that house off. Why? Because I saw him first. And God can turn your life situation around no matter what it is, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether there's something going on inside that you don't want to tell nobody about. He can turn that around. But just put him first. Just seek him first, and he can fix everything. John 8, 31 through 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Tonight we're going to talk about truth and finances, because I want you all to be financially free. I don't want anybody to sit there on the merry ground of life just wondering, Why am I here? Why can't I get ahead? Why can't I make it in this world? So we're going to, we're going to dig into this, and, and there's some people that have mixed feelings and so i've had some people say they they don't completely agree with me but i've I, i've taught people that don't agree with the salvation plan it as long as i got bible it's your choice to believe the bible or not i'm not going to force you but i can tell you that if you obey it it works i had somebody i had somebody somebody come up to me one time and said brother chase how do i get where you're at and i was like see them footsteps only way i know to get to where i'm at so I'll tell you how I got here. And as I talked, some people are just like that person that went up to Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom? And he says, you obey the commandments? Yes. Give everything you have away and follow after me. And the guy's like, ooh. And I've had people that follow the same practice. What do I need to do to get where you're at? And I'm like, follow me. And they're like, ooh. I got to do what? But I've also had people obey the scriptures. And they're living a blessed life today. And I've been able to just sit back and say, thank you, Jesus, for revealing it to them and giving them the victory over their finances. So the question I pose to you now is having money or wealth bad? Brother Lucas, I know you got millions in your bank account. Is it wrong for you to have millions in your bank account? Some people say that if you have money, you should give it all away. The Bible doesn't state it that way. Um, and if you look at the patriarchs, Abraham and his sheep were blooming. He had money. He was loaded. In fact, he was so rich that the land, which Jesus, our God, said at the time, wherever you put your foot, I mean, I'm giving you the promise. I'm giving you all this. And the land could not contain their wealth. They had so much. Their men servants were so large, their herds were so large that the, the, the land couldn't contain him, so he had to split off with Lot. We know that story. Genesis 13, 5 through 6 says, Abraham, or Abram at the time, had great wealth, even so much as the land was not able to support them, well, both Abraham and Lot's wealth, that they had to separate, go their separate ways. First Chronicles 22, 14 tells us David was probably the one of the richest men ever. Now behold, in my trouble, trouble have I have prepared for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold. That is kind of what we would say, you know, roughly 5,000 tons of gold. Not the cheap jewelry store gold, the real stuff. A thousand, thousand talents of silver. Today's lingo, about 500,000 tons of silver. Of brass and iron without weight. They couldn't even measure it all. For it, in its abundance, timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereunto. So he had a lot, and he was considered a man after God's own heart. So not only did he mess up all the commandments, 
Not only was he super rich, but God said, you're a man after my own heart. So having, having some money in your bank account does not make you bad. Now, if you're a billionaire, there is a really nice GMC truck I like, you know? Just teasing, just teasing. 1 Kings 10, verse 7, records the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba's response to seeing Solomon's great wealth, which he inherited most of from his father, and he increased it greatly. She said, How be it, I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. Behold, the half was not told me, though wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. It reminds me of a, a cartoon, uh, the three little quacky ducks and Uncle Scrooge, or whatever his name was, and he had that y'all know what I'm talking about? Ducktails, thank you. That was, that was always good, you know, seeing him swimming through his gold piles, right? That was Solomon. That was Solomon. He says, let's take a walk through my gold garden. Job and Boaz were both referenced as, as being very wealthy, So, and they were included in the lineage of Jesus. If they were horrible in the sight of God, God would not have recorded what all of this information. God put it there for a reason. So being, being, having money or having wealth is not a bad thing. It's, it's what makes it bad is this next scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 12. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. I just can't make it to church this weekend, Pastor, because I'm going out of town again. I mean, I got the yacht. You know, it's funny. I joke about that, but there was somebody I used to go to church with, and every weekend they seemed to be camping. Because they had a really nice boat. My pastor at the time reminded them about priorities, and they would park their boat, get in their vehicle, drive to church, come to church, and then drive all the way back. Now, I'm not saying don't go on vacations, don't have a good time. But if you're missing church all the time because you're so wealthy, you can take vacation all the time, your priorities are off. Priorities are off. And don't use the whole, I'm watching it online. That don't work for me. I'm country. That don't work for me. You got to be in the house of God. Just because you have wealth does not mean you can forsake the assembling one of them. They fall into temptation and a snare, and unto many foolish and hurtful lusts, which which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. doesn't say having money or, or having wealth is the root of all evil. It's having a love for. If you hold on to your money so tight that you can't put it in the offering basket or you can't write a tithe check or you can't give to missions, you missed it. You're missing it. That's why you're not free. When you give $5 in the offering plate, you spend 100000 a week on your joyous life. You, you missed it. You're not free. You, you're, you're, you're stuck in that bondage of financial keeping up with the Joneses. To get true freedom, we got to break that love. we got to break that love of wealth and know that that is from God. God has given me what I have. And it is only right that I give back a portion of what he's asking of me. He's not asking for the 90%. Like other gods are doing. I'm going to hit it hard here. Those season ticket holders. Drop three, four thousand, five thousand dollars on season tickets for the year. And you only spend 500 bucks in church. Mm. God's not happy. You wonder why your team is last. Don't don't make them losers by putting them before God. Love 
Love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, crying over that lost team. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. Don't let your love for money be what tarnishes your love for Jesus and your witness to others. Don't let that happen. Don't let it creep in. It'll creep in. You got to be careful of it. You got to pray about it. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. I may say it again later, but one of the richest men in the in, in America and in the world was uh, J.D. Rockefeller. He, he, he's the one that created our business, our industry, right? No matter, it really doesn't matter what oil industry you want to name, his fingerprints are on every single one. And it all goes back to him. He was he was considered the richest person, and he was doing it, giving an interview, and they asked, how much is enough? And he said, just one more dollar. You will never be satisfied if that's what your pursuit is. You'll always want the biggest and latest greatest. you always want the fanciest, and you want to be looked at, and a lot of times people, it never fails. I will tell you, I am not an Apple guy. So, just want to let you know, there are some people that are saved in here. But, but, this Android, I don't even know how old it is. I don't even care about it anymore. Who's got the new iPhone 80, whatever just came out? 14? Let me have it and throw it on the floor and kick it around. Oh, I even stepped on it. Just right, you see the cracks are okay. Look at that, come back up. See, Androids are the way to go. Now, if you try to text or call and I don't get it, that's probably why right there. But what we find out is that we 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 have to have the latest and greatest. And and the and the companies out there that are advertising know that. That's why. The latest, greatest iPhone iPhone 85 that just came out is already old stuff, and iPhone 86 is ready to come out in three months. And that's why the first edition of the new truck I want to buy now just came out with a new fancier edition that now i got to buy the latest edition, right? And then two years from now, they're going to do something nicer, and I'll just want to keep buying the latest and greatest. So you've got to make sure that consumerism our lust for materialism does not destroy our love for Jesus. We got to make sure that we keep the tabs on that because it'll be able to creep in. You know how it's going to creep in? Let's just pretend that I was an Apple person since there's a lot of Apple fans and I had the latest Apple 85. And I was like, bro, you got to see what this thing can do. I can take a picture of the moon and see the alien moving. It's awesome. I can text 92 people at once. I can do that voice thing, and it almost dictates what I say. you got to have one. And then you start feeling the peer pressure because your little android just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. And now you got to go out and know that you don't have enough money to buy one because it costs $10,000. But you're going to take out a loan. You're going to go to the bank and say, I need a credit card. And they're going to say, are you alive and breathing? Yeah, well, I'll give you a credit card. 
You have a job? No, it doesn't matter. You're breathing. And you're going to get a credit card, and you're going to go buy that $10,000 I-86 phone. Because the new one just came out. Before you got the loan approved, the new one just came out. Because what happens is, and sometimes people don't mean to do it, but we just like to show off our bling. We like to show off our toys. We like to drive up in our new polished car. There ain't a speck of dust in that thing. And the next, next day it may be covered in dirt, but when we show up to church, it ain't. Now, I'm not against people getting new cars and being blessed. But we can't let the love of show, the love of materialism, destroy our witness, destroy our love for God, destroy our bank account, our financial freedom. Because most people that do that and live for the bling are not free. They're not free. Luke 12, 13 through 21. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. <sighs> this is a tough one family. Love them. I love my family. But when it comes to money, and he said unto him, man, this is Jesus' own writing here. He said, man, who made me judge or divider over you? He said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth, and then he went on to say this parable. The ground of a certain man brought forth plenty, and he thought within himself, saying, hmm, Man, I'm good at what I do. What shall I do because I have no room where I bestow my fruits? I just got so much that I need a bigger house. And I need bigger barns. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater barns, and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto that soul, Soul? Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. That is a dangerous place to be. That is why some of us never get our healing. Because once we get our healing, once we win the lottery, once we become whatever we desire to be, we take our ease. We'll show up Thanksgiving. Christmas, bless that church. I'll bless First Church Woodland with my presence. I'll come walking in with my fancy seats and drive up in my big cars and have all my bling on, and I'll bless them with my presence. I'll take my ease. This is what the Lord will say to that person. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou soul, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is that he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. How can that be, Brother Lucas? How can I be rich but not rich towards God? And that love of money pours it into your own heart. When you see a brother and sister in need, and you just say, I'll pray for you. Oh, you don't have any money because you lost your job and you're paying rent you're going to be evicted in three days unless you come up with 700 bucks. I'll pray for you, brother. Honey, kids, come on. We're going to Ruth Chris tonight. I got $800 in my pocket. That happens way too often in the church. Way too often. Not here, of course. Other places. We've got to be careful that we don't allow the love of money to drive us 
Because Proverbs 15, 27 says, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. He that hateth gifts shall live. So if y'all don't want to get me a Christmas present or a birthday present, I'm not going to be offended or hurt. I'm serious. I really don't want anything from you guys, but if you want a list, I have it right here. Don't don't try the guilt trip on people. Oh, I'm okay. I haven't eaten in three days, but I'll be okay. Where are you going to eat next week? Oh, I don't know. Do you have any food in the kitchen? No. Would you like me to get you some groceries? No. Poor me. Has anybody seen my tail? Eeyore. And, and another thing, I'm not a mind reader. I want to speak for myself. Maybe y'all are. Sometimes I'm spiritual enough where God will tell me, but I'm human. And there's sometimes, brother, I can't see your need. But if you have a need, just call me off the side and say, hey, I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to say I need help. Now, I may not have the money to help you because I ain't rich. But I'll link up with you. We'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah, that's good. You need to read my notes. Don't let greed drive you to be a consumerist. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy eight seventeen through nineteen. And now say in thine heart, my power and my might have in my own hand. I've gotten this for myself. I have done it myself. I have climbed the corporate ladder myself. Dangerous. When you start thinking that you did anything on yourself, you can't even take a breath without God. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be that if thou do and all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall truly perish. He didn't mince the words there. He didn't say maybe or there's a potential. He said you are going to perish. Now you may have, well, I'm not going to die tomorrow, am I? Who knows? Only God knows that. But what happened to Adam and Eve the day they sinned? He said they died. Their connection, their relationship with Jesus. I say Jesus because he's my God, but you know what I'm saying. God, stop. Is this okay tonight? All right. I haven't even really got to the meat of it yet. This is how much scripture is in the Bible about having financial freedom. It's a lot. Jesus uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, 17 through 27, and I'll try to kind of go through it quickly. This is where he's talking about uh, this young, this young man that came to him and said, hey, what do I do? have to do, good master. And he says, why calleth me thou good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Uh, fraud not. Honor thy father and mother. Young people, honor thy father and mother. Honor thy father and mother. It's in the Bible. And there's a lot of scriptures, young people, about honoring your parents, and it's, it helps your long life. All right, so there's a lot of benefits to that. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and they shall, uh, then thou shalt have treasure in heaven, take, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he said, on, and this young man was sad at the same because he had great possessions. And he turned around and walked away. Walked away, and, and, and Jesus made this statement, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And this is where people have misconstrued having wealth and riches because they say, If you're rich, you can't make it into heaven. It's not what Jesus is saying. If you have a love for money, a love for wealth, it's going to be very hard for you to get into heaven because you got to seek him first. So if you have a retirement account, we're going to get into that. But don't start just like cleaning things out and thinking you got to give it all away because of this scripture, because this is not the intent of that scripture. And then he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then they said, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus answers, well, with men it's impossible because we can't save ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. Thank you, Jesus. So if we will just trust in him, honor him, obey him, all things are possible. But we've got to get that obedience and follow after him first. So money solely isn't the problem. It's when we allow money to affect our attitudes, trust in Jesus, our spirits, our lives with materialism, that money becomes bad. When we start to love the things of this earth more than the things of this uh, things of God, then we are no longer free. I've had, I've had since I've been in church, there's been a lot of different fads, trends, and I'm not trendy. People who know me know that the suit I'm wearing is the same suit I was wearing 10 plus years ago. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It still fits. It's a little snug. Um, but but I, I, I grew up poor, and I don't think we just discard things to discard things. I, uh, The last suit I had, the only reason I stopped wearing it is you could see through it. Material got so close and so thin, and I was like, Look at the mirror. I was like, Whoa, I can't wear that shirt no more. <laughs> that would have been all bad. These shoes, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm just saying that there, it is okay if the clothes and the shoes and your car and your house are not falling apart. It's okay to keep it past a year or two. I bought these shoes, believe it or not, Brother Lucas, take a guess. Ten years ago, that's close. I bought these shoes in 1997. Young people, there was a 1900s. There was. The calendar used to say that. But I bought these shoes in 1997. These are the first dress shoes I bought after getting in church. I was still wearing them today. They still work. And they may not be the latest trend. I look at these young men in these fancy shoes. It, it, it ain't, they ain't that fancy. But they work. There's still use in them. Now, when I pick up my shoe and you see my sock through it, then we'll talk. But until then, as long as it ain't broke, I ain't fixing it. Why is that? Because I'm not caught up in the trends. I'm not caught up in materialism. And if you can get to that spot yourself, you'll realize that you'll have extra money. Around. But you just got to break that bond that's holding you back from just being content with what you have. We just, got to, we just got to learn to be content. The love of money has caused many issues in society. And, and I'm just going to name a few of them, but these numbers are still the same. I mean, I could I could have taught this 100 years ago, teach this 200 years from now if the Lord was to tarry and I was to tarry. And the, the, all this would be the same. 
because the love of money has the same effect on people no matter if it's 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years from now. But it is still the number one cause of marital and family problems. It is. It is still the number one cause of marital and family problems. And then you can do the whole branch off of just that one statement, and I can name a lot of things that are tied to that. Um, the love of money is high stress on a person's body when you're always trying to worry about things. It's mental and physical illness. It'll actually cause you to become sick because you're stressed so much. And when you focus on something so long, you know that comes to pass, right? It does. If you are scared of being sick and you're scared about getting some sickness and you focus on it all the time, you're going to get it. It is proven. It is proven. In the psychological world, they say you willed it to happen because you put so much emphasis on it. So um, it causes us to become covetous. We, we start to want everything that we shouldn't and don't need. Um, we, it causes greed. It, it leads to crime, selfish ambitions. This is where you climb the ladder and don't care how you get there. Um, it causes addictions, self-destruction. You get this. You get to this point where you think you have so much money, you're above the law, where, where you might get pulled over for speeding in your half-million-dollar uh, Ferrari, and, and when the cop pulls you over and asks what you're doing, you're like, you know who I am? Do you, do you see this car I'm sitting in? Do you see this $10,000 Rolex? Do you, do, you, do you know who you're talking to? Do you think I'm going to accept a ticket from Somebody that makes a hundred thousand a year, no way. We get prideful, and we start looking down our nose at our brothers and sisters that may not have it, and we think that we're better than them, or we think we're too good to socialize with them, or, or let them in our car. God forbid we gave them a ride to church. We need to look at our finances seriously and make sure that the money does not control us. Money controls us in so many different ways. And as we go through scriptures, you will find out. You may have overcome it, but you may find out, and this is a, one of those words that people don't like to use anymore, and, but it's a fact. It's, it's still a word, but you will become a slave to money. Well, you can't make the right decision if you wanted to because you're controlled by money. And you won't even know it. It's like an addict. Sometimes they don't even know they're addicts because it's controlling them. It's telling them, no, you're not an addict. You're okay. You can do what you want, but you really want this shot again. And that's the same thing our spirit does and our flesh does. And the devil, when he's involved, when it comes to buying things, you really need that new car. It's like going to the grocery store. Has anybody ever gone to the grocery store and shop? Now, how many here, like me, my wife is typically the one to go shopping. She's usually the one that gets the groceries. And every once in a while, I'll go do it. And I'll take the list. My daughter can testify. She's here tonight, so what I say is true. 99% of the time, I come home with more stuff in the bags than what's on the list. The Doritos were not on the list. The chocolates weren't on the list. The, 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 the gummy bears or whatever candy I wanted or, or maybe some ice cream or some frozen. Because I'm walking by stuff, I'm like, man, that's all oh, that. I need some of that. I need some of that. And then I'll get to the checkout and like $250. And I go home to my wife. It's like, how much do groceries normally cost? She'd be like, it depends. It, you know, maybe $150 if I have to buy a lot. And I'm like, $150? How did you get out of the store with less than 200 
And then she opens up the cabinet. And she says, well, I don't buy Doritos. I don't buy that. And I don't buy that. I buy what we need. It's important that we understand there are needs and there are wants. And the Lord will bless you enough if you obey him that you can get some wants. Just, he will do that. Poor financial planning will lead you into debt. And that's, does everybody understand what debt is? It's, it's when you owe somebody money. It's not a good thing. Because you are a slave to the lender. They make you pay that bill or else. Yes, it is. We'll get there. And that debt can spiral out of control and lead to uh, many issues that are listed above. If you have a credit card and you, you use that and don't pay it off every month and you just pay the minimum, you will pay on that first purchase for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. If you bought something for $4,000, young people, because you've got a credit card, why anybody would lend, give you guys a credit card at your age? But if you went out and bought that new iPhone 89, you put in that new fancy credit card. And you say, that's a piece of cake. I can afford $32 a month. I work part-time at Taco Bell. And you will be paying for that iPhone 89 when iPhone 10,002 comes out. Because you will never pay that credit card off as long as you pay the minimum. And that's what the credit companies want. Because that CEO of that bank or whatever credit company just bought another $20 million home off of your interest. And you're paying on that credit card. That's why you can't trust a banker. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I love my brother. I love my brother. Praise God. There's two things. There's two things that can help turn your uh, finances around. One of them is something that not everybody wants to do, and that's submission. Romans 10, 3 through 4 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Ephesians 5, 20 through 21 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting ourselves uh, one to another in the fear of God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he's, he will flee. We gotta submit. We gotta submit unto the word of God. We gotta submit unto God. The other one that people struggle with is obedience. Obedience is, uh, is challenging for some people because they want to do their own thing. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they do it with joy and not with grief, that, that for that is unprofitable for you. Romans 6, 16 says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. These two things could give you the greatest victory or the greatest struggle in obtaining freedom from every aspect of life. Every aspect of life. You can't submit unto God and you can't obey his word. You will struggle with a lot of things. So now we're getting to the meat of things. So we're going to talk about tithing and offering. Uh, why is it and why? Uh, what is it and why? So uh, Malachi uh, so chapter 3, 7 through 10 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. He's still the Lord today. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob... Are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye, wherein shall we return? And will a man rob God? And ye have robbed me, but you say, Wherewith have we robbed you? And the Lord's response is in tithe and offering. And then he says, If you want to fix this curse that I put on you, 
They're not paying your tithes and offering. You're being a thief to me. I cursed. That's what the Bible says. He says, ye are cursed with a curse because you robbed me. God says, you are robbing me. And they say, well, how are we robbing you? And he doesn't beat around the bush. He says in tithes and offering. Simple. You are putting everything else before me. You're giving your money and your time to everything else but me. You're robbing me in your time of tithing and offering. And because of that, because you have robbed me, you are cursed. You want to break that curse? It says on the next verse, it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. The only way to break that curse of covetousness and love of money, the only way you can break that curse of greed and, and family trouble is to bring all your tithes into the house of the Lord. It's going to break your spirit too. Because we got to overcome our flesh and the needs and the wants of our flesh to do that. So tithing. In order to understand what is acceptable unto the Lord, we must understand what the giving is, what tithing is. So here's that scripture. Matthew 6, 33 clearly states what is important to God. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Going clear back to the book of Genesis. Genesis 4, 4, it says, Abel he also brought of the firstlings, first of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel to this offer. Genesis 28, 22, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all and of all that I, thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee a tenth unto thee. And that's where we get uh, a tenth concept. God thought, man, that's a pretty good idea. I like it. I'm gonna stick with that. Tenth. Ten percent. Nehemiah 10, 35, 37 says, And bring the first fruits of our ground, the first fruits of all the fruit. Again, first fruits, first fruits, the very first produce you bring off your tree. Applesauce, you're gonna go to apple butter, you're gonna go to apple pie. It's all good, it's all great. It's not a sin to eat it. I just went to apple pie. I hope that wasn't wrong. But we got to give that to the Lord first. First fruits, it says, of everything, even the fruits of the trees, year by year, every year, not a one time thing, under the house of the Lord. Also, the firstborn of our sons, we go and of our cattle, and it is written in law, and the firstlings of our herds and our flocks. Bring them unto the house of God. Dedicating, just like Samuel's dedicating as they took the Lord up into the house of God to be dedicated. Um, Leviticus 27, 30 through 31 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto God. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto fifth part of thereof. No, I was I was impressed. I had um, Pastor Brown. You remember Pastor Brown? He told me a story one time. He was at he was at church uh, when he was pastoring the Napa Church, and this gentleman showed up at the church, handed him an envelope, and didn't know what it was all about. And the gentleman the gentleman explained. He says, "I'm not a Christian. I'm not going to come to your church, but I was reading the Bible. It said God would curse me if I didn't pay my tithes." So I'm paying you my tithes and handing him a check. Now, if somebody off the street can pick up the Bible and read it, how much more should the children of God obey their teachings of their God? Forgot where I was at. I apologize. Honor the Lord of thy substance. I talked about that. First fruits of an increase. It's been taught in some areas that tithing is not important to the New Testament uh, church or to the New Testament God. 
think there's a different God in the New Testament. Uh, but Jesus uh, clearly expresses to the religious where they had failed in their fullness of the ministry and teaching. Uh, Matt, uh, Jesus is saying in Matthew 23, 23 to the Pharisees and the scribes, he said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay tithes of mint and, and, and cumin and all that stuff, and you have omitted the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. It says these latter things I just mentioned, you should do. In fact, it says exactly, these ought you have done, these things you missed. And not leave the other undone. So nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say you don't pay tithe and offering. You will not find that in the New Testament. Jesus never did that. He came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. So when you talk about understanding what the Bible says, so my understanding of the Word of God, I'm going to tell you how I live it and how I teach it. Obviously, you're here, I teach it, but the tithe is 10% of our gross income. So whatever that big number is on the top of your pay stub, that's what you tithe off of. Some of y'all are going to look at me like, we know that, Brother Chase. Well, that goes first. That goes first before your benefits is taken out, before all your other goody stuff to your retirement is taken out, and all that good stuff. And I know this is where some people really get their hackles up. They think I'm wrong, but you got to go to the first fruits. First fruits is what he's looking at. He's not looking. Now, the Bible says that our God owns the cattle on a little small hill, right? What does it say? Do you think that our God is going to go broke if he doesn't get our 10%? It's already his, and he's got more where he got that from. The Bible says he's got the, he's got the riches of the wicked just stored up for the children of his, his children. So he's got, he's got all that wealth. He doesn't need our 10%. He needs our obedience. And he's looking for a people that will serve him and worship him and live for him first. That's why it's important that you just give it all to God. And that is where I changed my philosophy when I was sitting there at my desk crying over my bills. I pushed those bills away, and I signed that tithe check and that offering, and I gave it unto the Lord. And three months later, I was realizing that, wait a minute, I never got a rate notice. I never missed a bill. Does that mean I'm rich, Brother Lucas? No. But it does mean that I just trust in God, and I don't worry about it. I remember when I was living in this same house, I, I had... We, I think my I think McKenna was born, so I moved the desk out to the front room so she could have what was used to be my office. And I was sitting there with a stack of bills, looking at the bills, and I had my checkbook right there. And I saw the number on the checkbook. And I saw what I just added up in those bills. And I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. But what I do know I'm going to do is I'm going to pay my tithing offering. I wrote my tithing offering check, sealed it, it was a done deal. Stuck it in my Bible, so I remember taking it to church. Turned around and looked at my wife. Said, honey, do we have enough food in the cabinets to make it for another three weeks? She looks at me and says, we can make it work. Praise God. So then I go and I get that stack of bills and I start mortgage, pg garbage, water, utilities, this bill, that bill, this, that bill. I get all done, paint all the bills, put a stamp on them, seal them. I was like, wait a minute. Turned around, looked at my wife, said, something doesn't add up. I said, what do you mean? When I started this process, I was several thousand shy of what was in my checking. I, and this is not just weeks later. This is the moment I'm doing it. I went through and I did my ledgers a dozen times. Where did I miss it? How can I still have money at the end of this 20 checks I just wrote out? 
that quick, God can respond when you're obedient to Him. When I when I when God first told me to to stay in California, I'm trying to hurry get to the stopping point, but I have 16 pages of notes, so I'll try to try to wrap this up for tonight. I apologize if it's Pastor Ted's time because it's past mine. The bank called me. Um, I, I was just renting a room at the time. I didn't have a job. They called me up and said. Mr. Chase, you're overdrawing your bank account. You've, you've, you've spent more than you have your bank account. Like, you're wrong. And they laughed at me. They're like, you're the bank. And I, I'm not talking bad about anybody in the banking industry right now. But they said I was wrong. And I was like, that can't be wrong. And I told me that if I would stay in California and help build a church in California, that you'd take care of us. You promised me. It was your word. And I told the lady again on the phone, I said, I'm sorry, man, but you're wrong. There's no way that those numbers you just told me are correct. And she did the whole, sir, can I put you on hold for a minute? Like, you can do what you got to do, but you're wrong. I was respectful. It wasn't more than a minute. She comes back in, Mr. Chase, are you still there? I'm like, yes, I'm still here patiently waiting. Nice elevator music, by the way. Um, she says, I, I just want to apologize for any stress that, that I just caused you because we went back and looked at our books and we were wrong. We just put the money back in your account that we accidentally took out. When you obey God, he doesn't follow the laws of man. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. All right, I'm going to try and hurry real quick. Um, so we got to understand understand tithing. Tithing is, is 10%. What is the tithing goes for? It goes to taking care of the ministry um, and the work of God. We want to make sure our ministry is taken care of. Some people I know, and it, it, you're perfectly legit and, and biblically based if you just do 10%. You're 100% in the Bible. So what I'm about to say, don't get your feelings hurt because you're 100% in the Bible. I know what my tithing goes for. It goes to my pastor in life. I'm okay rounding up for them. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving a little bit more than my 10% to help out my ministry. The ones that are standing on the wall watching over my soul. I hope that's okay. I love my pastor and his family. Sister W is here. So I feel a little awkward. <laughs> but... They're my pastor, and you're my pastor's wife, the first lady of our church. I will sacrifice a little bit more to make sure that they're not focused on any financial problems when they need to be worried about my soul or what the enemy's trying to do to get my soul. So, just saying, I'm just saying, I round up. Not saying you don't or you have to if you do it 10%, but I always round up. And when you give 10% or 10 plus percent, the rest he blesses. And I can tell you that he will stretch that 90% out to what you need to meet your needs. I've seen it too many times. Uh, like I said, the purpose of the tithing is to support the ministry of the church. Um, some people say that we don't need to tithe because tithing was an Old Testament, uh, Old Testament Mosaic law. That is not true. Although, well, it is true. Moses did implement that in the law. But if you go into Hebrews... 
we are not tithing because of Mosaic law. We are following the order of the high priest of Melchizedek. And it says Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. Talks about that in Hebrews 5 7. So that's why we continue to tithe today. It's not because we are tied to the commandments, it's because we're tied to truth. And that's why we tithe. Any questions on tithing? So I'm looking at a bunch of blessed people. So again, remember the three people I'm talking to, those that have it down? This is just a refresher, just a reminder, yep, we're doing the right thing. There's going to be people in here that may not understand why we do what we do, or maybe people have asked you questions why you do what you do. Hopefully some of the scripture tonight clarified that helped you. And those of you that are in the married round of financial struggles, we're going to continue next week to help you get out of that cycle of spiral of financial freedom and get to that financial freedom. So I want to open up real quick. Does anybody have any questions that you just have pertaining to finances? I can't fix all your problems tonight. I can pray for you and, and, and stuff like that, but I'll, I'll, I don't have time to fix everybody's problems tonight because I still work on my own. Is there any questions before we close this out? I know I went a little long tonight. I hope I can I'll speed it up next week. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.